Welcome to TVT with Grace and Emma, a podcast on the millennial generation and how we came to be. I'm Emma. And I'm Grace. On this week's episode, we look at trends from across the pond. We talk about millennials' evolving relationship with alcohol. And we share some life updates. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Grace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what you tell the tell the audience what you just told me. Um, I told Emma that <laughs> today today I bought two crop tops from Ross Pay for Less. Ross Dress for Less. Dress for Less. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely I definitely paid for less clothes. <laughs> I did not even pay for a full t shirt. Does that does that mean that I I'm in like a quarter life crisis or something. Well, can you talk me through your thought process there? My thought process was um, your thought I, process. My <laughs> thought process. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, no, I was thinking. Um, I actually just bought um, some high waisted jeans from Gap. Yum. Online, because I figured out what size I am. Oh, so, that's always such a big moment. Easy. Thirty-one short. In case when... people were interested. <laughs> When you can figure out your size well enough to actually just order oh, shit yeah. online. And I just bought multiples of the same Amazing. Pant. Yeah. And then and then in a year they're going to change all their jeans again and you're going to not know. I know. Anyway. Anyway, true skinny, 31S, short stubby legs. <laughs> um, but uh, I just thought, oh man, these are kind of cute. And if I get a t-shirt, I'm going to tuck the t-shirt in anyway. I don't know. I really, I was, this is, okay, this is a serious question I have which is when do I get when do I have to stop shopping in the junior section never like so at Ross or Marshall's the junior section has like younger adult clothes Mm -hmm. and I found that going into the ladies section didn't really align with my fashion right but like it felt so weird to be shopping in the junior section for a crop top age is a construct. <laughs> Good point. Good point. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> that solves it. Age, as defined by Ross Dress for Less, is definitely a construct. Okay. This is a great conversation <laughs> so far. Off with a bang. Yeah. Um, what's up, Grace? You know, um, just watched Game of Thrones. Oh, GOT. Yep. How'd um, it go? It was no fine. No spoilers. I wouldn't even have anything to spoil because nothing big really happened. I see. Yeah. I see. I did not get into the GOT shenanigans. What do you think prevented you from getting on board? I watched the first two seasons, and I was, like, really into the first season. Uh Uh-huh. And the Starks, I was, like, on board. And then when they, like, start to, let's say, release your favorite characters... It just kind of built this sense of, like, distrust in the whole entity. And then when I got to the point where there were so many storylines going on and people were having conversations and I didn't know what they were referring to or who they were talking about, it just became too much for me. Yeah. And I just kind of let it go. This was in July of 2013. So it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. That's fair. That's totally fair. Have you ever thought, like, oh, now that they've released all of the episodes, I can, like go through it all and be more up to speed it's just not something i'd want to invest time in that's totally fair and time is 
Time is of the essence. That's why I'm probably never going to watch Breaking Bad. Ooh, yeah. It's just not going to happen. I agree. I think I missed it. I agree. But let me tell you, I have watched certain Sex and the City episodes about 25 yeah. times. <laughs> we have time for that. <laughs> Definitely got time for that. <laughs> There's also a lot of TV that I watch before going to sleep, and so I can't have it be too oh, rigorous, and course. I can't like really be thinking about it. Totally, totally. So that's what's up with that. What's um, going on with you? Well, I was just going to say, you know what's been an interesting development in my life recently is that... Um, as we know, this girl moved into her own apartment. Me. I moved into my, <laughs> my own apartment. This girl we know. <laughs> I'll quit speaking in, in third person. Um, but uh, I moved into my own apartment, and it's been great because I've been reading. Mm. Like, after work. Because I come home, I, like, eat my food or whatevs, I hang out, and then, like, there's still time before I go to bed. Yeah. And I've been cracking open a book and, like, legit sitting down and reading and not just, like, reading where I'm, like... There's two kinds of reading that have happened to me a lot in the past 15 years, I would say. One is, like, reading for school or reading for work, which, like, that was a big thing. And then another is the reading where, like, you start something, you're in bed, next thing you know, like, the book is on your face. Right, right, And you, like, can't remember what you read the day before because you were, like, half asleep. This is, like, real and, like, in it. So I read Bad Blood. You read Bad Blood. I read Bad Blood in two days. Got it. Sounds about right. My God. Yeah. And then we need to talk about that. Yeah. And then I also am reading this book about the kidnapping of Patricia Hurst. Oh, Patty. Patty. What is it? What are you learning about Patty? Well, she liked to be called Patricia. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And everyone called her Patty because her dad called her Patty on TV and during one of the press conferences. <gasps> but she really didn't like people to call her that except for her dad. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like learning that octopus plural is octopuses. Like, <laughs> that's. What? Yeah, octopuses is the plural of octopus. It's not octopi. I'm stunned. Wait, did you? Is, are you stunned because you didn't know that, or you have no idea why I'm bringing that up? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, she seems a little bit like an octopus, if you ask me. Sure. The other thing I learned, which is, is a compliment. Yeah. The other thing I learned is that she, like, yes, she's like, she's the person who really like brought the idea of Stockholm syndrome to popular yep. ideas and culture. Um, but it's also like she was so young. She'd grown up in this like uber specific wealthy family. Her grandfather was William Randolph Hearst, mm-hmm. who really was like the owner of many publications in the era of like muckracking journalism or whatever it was like called yellow journalism. Um, extremely wealthy family. And she was like trying to figure out her way in the seventies when just it just felt like culture and society was like really not providing a lot of strong guidance in a lot of ways for young people and so she went a certain path and I yeah and I, I haven't reached the end yet so we'll see what this sort of like final synopsis is but it. um it just makes me really empathetic for her and really feel for her hmm whoa so you it's interesting that you're really you're reading two books back to back about sort of scandal inspiring women Right, young white, white women, women from privilege. Young white women from privilege who get really lost mm. and really fucked up, mm. and take the world by storm. Right. Ah. Oh. Mm, book report. <laughs> A minus. <laughs> <laughs>
Shall we turn to the topic of millennials? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, girl. <laughs> what you got for me? Because I got something, but I want to hear what you've got first. Well, I just wanted to provide an update, a brief update. Um, last week, I I misconstrued some information. Uh-oh. I misattributed a certain joke to all that. Um, that actually all is SNL. That. This is all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I just so you for the for the sake of the listeners who need to better understand my editing process. There was like a 10 minute rant that I went on about how much I loved Keenan and Kel. And I like fully walked Emma through some like common themes about the show and went into way too much depth. Um, so I, as a part of going through memory lane, looked it up on YouTube and I was like, where's the part where Keenan says, Zutalur, right? Uh-huh. So on all that, Keenan did have a character who was this young Frenchman in a bathtub who would just like tell you how to say things in French. <laughs> but the that was his name was his name was Pierre Lescargot. <laughs> okay. But then Keenan had a character who was French on SNL and that's who said Zutalor. I just wanted to clarify for everyone that was like very concerned about which French character that Keenan Thompson played made that reference. Did one inspire the other? Um, you gotta think. Right? You think that the writers... he was like, This is in my repertoire. Yeah, my repertoire. <laughs> or just like I bet a ton of the writers in SNL are like previously all that fans and I mm. bet they were like, Keenan, 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 sure. Keenan, Keenan. I loved your bit and yeah. all that. Loved Pierre Escargot. Love Pierre Escargot. And um the SNL character is Jean Cajon. All right. Great. Well, thanks for um, the correction, dude. Thanks. Stay and then vigilant. one other update. I mean, yeah. you know I'm on Millennial Pink Watch. Always. Always sort of interested in what colors we're being drawn to. And I just wanted to provide a little update that our friends across the pond are Ooh. weighing in on oh. Millennial Pink's replacement in Ireland. Oh, no. Sunshine yellow. <laughs> the, uh, the Irish examiner Great, no. said... Sunshine yellow is the this the new millennial pink, and in the UK it's millennial mint. <laughs> Do you want me to edit this out of the podcast? You don't like my How Irish do I accent. About accents. You don't like my Irish accent. I mean, it's cute. That was good. I know. Okay, well, I found this really interesting article in the Atlantic from April second that talked about how millennials are kind of reconfiguring their relationship to drinking. Mm. And it caught my eye in part because of like just personally how I've started to kind of think like, okay, what is, what is the role that alcohol plays in my life? Mm -hmm. Because it's obviously going to be different than it was when I was in college and different than it was when I was in my twenties. And I also was like, spending time with someone who, like, doesn't drink. And that was kind of making me think, like, oh, like, right, what is life like when you just eliminate it completely? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also, like, went to a birthday party, and it was, like, in the middle of the day, and it was at a beer garden. And I was, like, it was a Saturday, and I, like, for the first time, which might be sad, but, like, for the first time, I, like, really thought, like, if I even have one IPA, I'll immediately get tired, mm-hmm. and I will immediately have less fun, 
and I will immediately not want to do anything for the rest of my day, so I'm just going to skip it. And I got a Coke instead, and I felt great, and people kept, like, kind of commenting on it, but I just was like, nah, it's a new life. It's a new relationship with alcohol. I don't, just because I'm at a birthday party Mm -hmm. celebrating my friend whom I love, it doesn't mean that I have to go down that road. Yeah. So, apparently, not alone. As millennials are getting older, we are also starting to kind of, like, reestablish what we want our relationship with alcohol to be. Mm-hmm. And this article in The Atlantic, which is called <laughs> Millennials Are Sink of Drinking, subtitle, but they're not giving up booze just yet. Great. Um, this article in The Atlantic is saying how, like, because we are kind of delaying a lot of the monumental milestones in life that kind of curb your drinking, parenting, mm-hmm. um, taking on more of, like, family-related responsibilities. Um, because we're, we are delaying those, we're also having to kind of, like, figure out how to reestablish our relationship with alcohol as we get older. Right. Like, how do you, like, you need to sustain these social relationships longer in a different way? Yeah. And so I can understand why, while other people may have transitioned into a different part of their life where drinking became less central to their social life, it remains that, you know, we're gathering a lot of times at places like a bar or a brewery or a pub or whatever. Right. Well, friends and girls. <laughs> a pub. Right. And also, like, there's just a lot of questioning about, like, well, first of all, as we get older, it's just harder to drink a lot. Like... I remember mm-hmm. having Friday 9 a.m. class yeah. and being like, I drank a bottle of wine last night. I'm a little tie-tie, but I'm okay. Like, I cannot do that. And I remember when I started my most recent job, one of the first Fridays that we had, I had gone out with coworkers the night before, and I was, like, legit hungover Um, on, like, it was one of my first Fridays, and I was like, girl, what are you doing? Mm. Like, you can't do this anymore. So I think a lot of people are feeling that way. Also, millennials apparently are, like, known for being a little bit more about, like, Mm self-care as a concept. Um, But interestingly, Gen Z is actually drinking even less than we are. Hmm. Yeah. Do they have any hypotheses there? Like, as we would have been drinking when when we were their age? Right. They don't know. Okay. Um, but I also think that one of the things that they also mentioned is that, like, drugs are right. kind of, like, becoming more and more part of the way that people escape from sobriety. So mm-hmm. just because we're drinking less right. doesn't necessarily mean that people are, like, net positive right. for their health. Like, yeah. people are still finding ways to escape and socialize in mind-altering ways. Right. Right. So. Huh. Yeah, what do you think? Well, I I did dry January, Woo. which I feel like is becoming more and more of a trendy thing that people do. Mm-hmm. Like, I had heard more about it this year. Maybe it was just because I was doing it, but mm-hmm. I I found that more people I knew had been doing it that to this year. Mm-hmm. And it really did highlight to me how many times I said no to alcohol where like in a typical month you know for me a part of it was just resetting after the holidays and feeling like I needed to 
gained more control over what I was putting in my body and sort of it was like a test to see if I could do that and I was also eating much more healthy and so to add alcohol to that would kind of negate the effort I was putting into my health. And I say all of this with a beer in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) The girl is holding a Michelob Ultra. Yeah. It's a superior light beer. Don't even. (laughs) Don't even go down that road. Um, But yeah, I think like, I think it's going to be interesting to continue to kind of follow how our habits change. And I would love to know, like, is this something that people feel like they resonate with? And, you know, drinking's not going to go away, but mm-hmm. I do think that people are having to renegotiate their relationship with it. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing that they said, consumption doesn't, or statistics don't always follow attitude shifts because mm-hmm. of the way that we gather data. So, like, changes in, it says, changes in habit often lag behind changes in attitude, and national survey data on drinking habits reflect only a small decline in heavy alcohol use, but... There's, like, very, like, defined ways that they identify alcohol use. And so, like, even if you were to cut back, like, on three drinks, it might not necessarily change the category of mm. your technical al- alcohol use because you're still classified the same way. Sure, Does that sure. makes sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, going back to the idea that, like, millennials are one of the most, like, anxious generations, I also, for myself, personally, have realized that, like, drinking does nothing to help the anxiety and that the things that help my anxiety are things that I have to do sober. Mm -hmm. Like, breathe deeply, be outside, like, take note of my surroundings, be present, try not to, like, worry or have regrets or whatever. And all of those things are actually, like, much, like, I'm much more likely to do things and say things that add to my anxiety when I'm drunk or when I've had like a drink or two or when I'm in that environment. Sure. So also I just like really don't have any patience for myself anymore when I do dumb shit. And I don't really do dumb shit that much when I'm sober, but when I've been drinking, I do dumb shit. I say dumb shit. I like will say something to someone that I'm like, I didn't need to say that. Mm. Or I'll like, you know, just not listen carefully when I'm having a conversation with someone or I won't be the, yeah, I won't be the kind of friend that I want to be because Mm. I'm like, not really full in full awareness mode. Yeah. So that's why I'm like more and more team sobriety, but also still enjoy, still enjoy hanging. Sure. With people and yeah. Yeah. Set us up. So as most millennials know, Coachella started this weekend. Yeah. Is this weekend. Okay. Okay. So. Um, one of the big acts was Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover. And um, at during his Coachella set, he took this moment to talk to the crowd. From what I understand, he took a few different mm-hmm. moments to sort of um, weave together both his music with, with sort of speaking. And I just thought it was interesting that he took this moment where he was in a context that is known to be driven by millennials, I will say with a caveat that at $400 a ticket, this is a really slim segment of millennials who have the socioeconomic stability to afford and go to this type of event. Um, And he took that moment to particularly call out that 
um, the impact that translating our experiences into data has had on our understanding of our relationships, of our story, and of our legacy. What specifically did he say? Can you just yeah, yeah. Tell he us? says, "What I'm starting to realize is that all we really have is memories at the end of the day. That's all we are is data that we pass on to your kids or you pass on to your family. The problem with us, like millennials, we have so much data, like we know what's going to happen." We're too afraid to plant a tree that we're not going to eat from. While we're here, feel something and pass it on. Mm. So so I, I just think my interpretation of what he was saying is really around how do we think about who we are in like how much agency we have as folks who are increasingly understanding ourselves within within analysis within data within predictive analytics Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like how much agency do you have if data has already told you where you'll be and um i think to me this idea of you know we're too afraid to plant a tree that we're not going to eat from has to do with like we have we're 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 already told what's going to happen to Mm -hmm. us and like feel like we have um little control over what our story becomes and what our what our trajectory is um that it's hard to actually go to work to put that into action Hmm. and i thought it was just sort of an interesting commentary on um the impact of automation and ai and um um AR, VR, and all of that have on our connection to our own story. And um, I thought it was a really neat opportunity for for Childish Gambino to, to put his story in context, especially as he had this sort of moment on stage to tell. He had this audience um, of, of other millennials to sort of connect with over this. I think that... Well, first of all, I think it's interesting that he used the word data mm-hmm. because to me that's like there's so many there's now so many associations with data and we think of data in very specific ways when really data is me- memories are data, but I think there's like also they've transcended their me- the word data has transcended its meaning mm-hmm. and like evolved in a lot of ways. Um but I also think that like when he says at the end of the day all you have is memories, like we're we're trying to 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 shortcut that like we're trying to like find pathways to memories that mm. previously didn't exist your pathway to a memory previously was like well first it was just something written down and then it was a you know and then a painting and then a picture and then a picture a photo book and now it's like we have so many ways to pass on memories but what what are we actually a like what medium are we actually going to choose and be like, how is there going to be consistency across mediums? Cause mm. we're moving so quickly. Yeah. Like if at the end of the day, all we have is memories, but like some of my memories are in the Polaroid pictures that I took in 2006 when I was in the Polaroids. And some of them are in my Google cloud and mm. some of them are on Facebook and some of them are on Instagram. And at the end of the day, and some of them like, are in your head <laughs> and some of them are in my head. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But even the ones in my head are triggered by all of that. Yeah. All of that technology. And so I think, like, 
I think we're going to have to really like figure out like what is the story that we want to tell. Yeah. And I do think that it's important for us to continue to have conversations around that. And I think that those conversations are exciting and they can happen on multiple platforms. But like mm-hmm. oral history of the millennials is something that like it'll be really interesting to hear like what are what we tell each other. Mm-hmm. That's like why we started this pod in a way right. too. Right? right. It's like what do we tell each other? Right. And and especially like taking into account the venue of Coachella being mm-hmm. um, such a widely captured, a part of the experience is capturing your existence in that space, right? And so I think it's it's a perfectly compelling um, audience to have this conversation with yeah. because it really is aligned with, you know, you're here with me right now. Yeah. And how many folks are in the audience that are actually there with him? And how is this sort of an invitation in um, for folks who are caught up in how do they capture what the experience was of being there in that moment? Yeah. I think he's brilliant, and I think this is a great question that he asked. Yeah. Ready? Ready for TBT? Yes. Nice. Um... Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. TBT in... Because... Blah. <laughs> um, this TBT is inspired by Tiger Woods' win today of one of those big things. Masters. The Masters. Is that the one with the jacket? Yes. Whoa. Crazy. Um, he won... He, like, had been on the... You all know. He had been on this hiatus. He, like, mm-hmm. hadn't been playing golf. It was, like, he had he this, was like, injured. He was injured. He had, like, a horrific breakup with his wife. We yeah. found out that he had been cheating on her. Like, it was just, like, wow, downhill from here. Yeah. TBT to when Tiger Woods was, like, a prodigy, was taking the world by storm, was mm-hmm. on all the Nike ads, when he, like, just elevated golf. Mm. And even though he's obviously, like, a complicated person with a lot of things that we don't necessarily admire about him, remember when we were young and he just kind of, like, really brought our generation into golf as a sport? And not only that, did it as a young man of color in an older, very white sport. Yeah. And so that was cool. Yeah. And that was a moment in the 90s. And I appreciated that moment. And -hmm. I thought to myself... Look at that man getting very, very rich and being very, very cute while doing it mm-hmm. and kind of like pushing back against a very old system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to say that Tiger Woods is necessarily responsible for anything about our generation, but I do feel lucky that we got to see him and be part of like youth culture as as he was taking on a, a pretty antiquated, outdated system. Oh, absolutely. Name another golfer. Arnold Palmer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just because of the Palmer drink. Sure. The Arnold Palmer drink. Frederick Phillips. I don't know who that is. My grandpa. Oh. Yeah, he was a golfer. Um, Professionally? Uh, you know, he, oh, okay. he won some tournaments. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I... I I can't think of folks, someone else that has had the impact on golf for our generation that Tiger has. Right. I, and I think what a timely TBT because you're so right. Like he brought that into our, our 
eyesight mm-hmm. in ways that other folks just like probably couldn't have accomplished. Right. Golf. <laughs> Golf. Uh, um. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. I nice. thought it was cool to think about like where he what he was everywhere. Mm-hmm. He and Nike were everywhere. Yeah. In in the nineties, and it was really cool to watch. No kidding. Cool. What's your TBT? Awesome. Um, mine kind of it came out of thinking about some of the other TBTs that we've had, and just thinking about sort of 90s and early thousands fashion in the past year of doing this podcast. Um, And my TBT is to the 90s and early thousands complete lack of subtlety. (laughs) Like, like we couldn't just have highlights. We had to have like chunky, very clearly uh, um, uh, process, like inauthentic Mm -hmm. highlights. Um, in your hair you couldn't just be like dressed and be attractive your jeans had to like show the top of your pubis mond you know what I mean like your jeans had to be super low cut so that everyone could understand like this is a sexy outfit Mm -hmm. you couldn't just have like a belt that cinched your clothes together it needed to be the thickest belt of all time you couldn't just wear lipstick. It had to be, like, with dark lip liner and, like, a dark color. You know what I mean? There was just sort of this beauty. If you, if you put on eyeshadow, it literally had to be from your eyelashes to your eyebrows. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I just I just want to throw back to um, just the complete lack of subtlety in how we communicated, like, these different fashion moments. And it also made me think of, um, and I put an image in our shared Google Doc, but there's this image of TLC, because um, because I was thinking about how um, boy bands and girl groups and artists like in a group tended to have like you can think of Destiny's Child all wearing the same outfit but slightly different, right? And um, there's it reminded me of this great picture of TLC where they all wear this cord like they all have the same pant but in different colors, and their shirts are mesh except for the letters. T, L, and C, like each person is wearing a different letter. It just sort of was like, we are a band and we all go together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of just, and and Justin and Brittany wearing head-to-toe denim. Like there was no subtlety. And I just want to honor that. Yeah. <laughs> and people were very, it was like a sense of enthusiasm. Yeah. Do you think optimism? Do you think it was optimism? Well, so in it's like we they didn't trust the audience to understand mm-hmm. what they were trying to communicate, right? Yeah. It wasn't like we all people will understand that we all go together. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like holding the audience's hand like these people are dating or like <laughs> these people are in a band together or like this person is a sex symbol, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, how can you not understand that when you can, you know, you could see Grace is like gesturing it, it, at her, it, it, at it, her my, midriff the, like you know the belly <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be able to see your belly once you buzz into those Ross crop tops oh. full circle call it back call it back <laughs> anyway nice work thanks yeah lack, of, an, lack of subtlety yeah keeping us something to think about in more detail but yeah 
Yeah. Keeping us honest. All, All right. right. The Michelob Ultra is gone. Yeah. I'm slouched in my chair. It's time to call it a day. It's time to call it a day, but that was a good one. Yeah. High and tight. High and tight. Keep <laughs> it high and tight. Not like those jeans. Like your new jeans. Yep, exactly. Great. And with that. And with that. We'll see you in a fortnight. See you in a fortnight. <laughs>